What is up? We are back on this Thursday matinee edition on this New Year's Eve Eve. We are just mere hours away from 2022 on episode 87 of Football Life Presents the Audible. I'm your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my co-host, Matt Bushnell. Matt, I don't know what to make sense of this week. I'm surprised I know what day it is or what time it is. I, I'm off. I have no idea what's going on. It's actually pretty nice. Yeah, I figured it'd be nice for you having the time off after the holidays. I know you were a busy man on Christmas, so <laughs> congratulations for having the well-deserved time off while still providing us the news, Randy. Well, I wouldn't miss this for the world, obviously. Uh, the things we put ourselves through for the show, people really have no idea. So honestly, this is just uh, a well-rested version of me today for, for the folks out there. So um we have a loaded show for you today on this. Like, I, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got regular football. We got college football. Um, we got some some eulogies to say right off the top. But before we get into that, the, the sad stuff off the top. And, you know, if we know the show. You know how we are with this. Um, but 87, Matt, we're getting closer and closer to that triple digits now. But number 87, who comes to mind for you? Man, I mean, I mean Travis Kelsey. Um, <laughs> to, to me, there's there's two famous players that were 87. And Felipe will know him very well because we quote him, Felipe Melicio from the Total Basis podcast. But Ed Bradovich, who mm. was rumored to have the hands the size of turkeys, and then <laughs> Mushin Mohammed in X Bear as well. Yeah, very nice. Uh, for me, I think of the guy who I would probably argue as one of the best uh, tight ends ever, currently the best tight end of this era, Rob Gronkowski, uh, big number 87. And then um, uh, Reggie Wayne, the high-powered Colts offense, uh, I think really an underrated wide receiver for those Colts teams for a long time, obviously. Um, big part of those offensive teams, obviously Marvin Harrison's a Hall of Famer and Peyton Manning, but uh, Marvin Har- uh, Reggie Wayne doesn't get the love that he deserves. Yeah, it would be a must, right. not to mention Dwight Clark, you know, the, the one of the most famous plays in NFL history to catch. Of course. Of course. How can we forget that? Um, all right. Well, before we get into the week 17 previews, um, we had some big news, Matt, after our show happened on Tuesday. Yeah. A couple of unfortunate uh, news uh, moments that we talk about on the Audible when, when a football figure dies. Um, we, we feel like it's our duty to at least pay our respects to them. Um, we have gone from recently uh, Demarius Thomas to Vincent Jackson to Jim Fossil um, to uh, Marty Schottenheimer. Like we've done all different kinds of people. I don't know about you, Matt. I don't know if we've ever done someone as big as this guy, yeah. John Madden. I don't know if there's a bigger name. He, the name Madden is almost as big as the sport itself. So many of our lives have been touched by John Madden, whether we're casual football fans or like us, diehard football fans. He died at 85 on Tuesday, and between his career as a coach, a broadcaster, and a video game star, somewhere or another, the name Madden, you most likely know. Now, I'm only tw- I'm only 30 years old, so the tail end of his broadcast career, I only caught the tail end of. I'm very familiar with the turducken. I'm familiar <laughs> with the accent, the way he would you know be able to teach you on broadcasts, yeah. but I've played the video game seemingly my entire life. I, I shared this article in the group yesterday. John Madden was the greatest teacher of football that ever lived. And Matt, you would know better than I, if that's the case or not. But in my lifetime, I don't think anyone has ever taught me more than him. I would go as far as to say that John Madden is single-handedly the most important person in football history. Um, We can say a lot of people out there that deserve credit, but the popularity of football and the growing aspiration of it is John Madden. That's the reason behind it. So much so, 
that there's Madden release parties, Madden tournaments that are countrywide. Esports mm-hmm. has taken off. I mean, Madden branched off into creating a video game type of sport. And I don't think that happens without the John Madden video game franchises, just because the casual person who never played video games, but was a diehard football player, wanted to play Madden. You wanted to play football. Um, You know, Jacob and us in the chat often joke a lot. The only time that we may see our team win a Super Bowl (laughs) is if we play Madden. So I go a step beyond this, though, because um, growing up, I, I just I loved football. It was always my passion. It was the one thing that I always wanted to do that I always grew up with. And I early on loved the 70s Raiders and John Madden was a football player. And at the time, a lot of people don't know this, but John Madden was the youngest coach in NFL history. He took the Oakland Raiders job at the age of 32. He coached for 10 seasons, won a Super Bowl. But one of the things that he's well known for is hiring a very diverse staff with him and Al Davis. Al Davis was a pioneer in giving minorities and other, you know, women even coaching and powerful positions in the organization, giving them those opportunities. And really what Madden did was segue that into a very, you know, really a role model for a lot of coaches to, hey, these people matter too. Let's bring them on. And then, you know, the announcing, the the thing with Madden, and I saw a lot of tweets and a lot of very heartwarming things when we talk about Madden. There was a tweet out there when it was the Minnesota Vikings versus, I can't remember, maybe the Lions or the Packers, I can't remember. But Jim McMahon was playing for the Vikings. I believe this was 1992 or 93. I think this was the Giants, actually. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think you're right. It was the Giants game. And John Madden came on the air and basically said, no, he shouldn't be allowed back in if he's got a concussion. He even Mm -hmm. referenced boxing, that you're not allowed to fight for a whole nother month if you suffer a head injury, if you get knocked out. Mm -hmm. So he was at the forefront that, you know, concussions are a very serious thing and that these guys shouldn't be brought back into the game. So he, at every step and turn, it feels like John Madden was ahead of the curve. Yeah, an old school guy who really embraced the analytic aspect of games, too, um, but also one that really set an example of he won the Super Bowl in 1979 and he retired two years later when he was in his late 30s. Uh, Actually, that, 42. That, he was 42. Yeah, okay, early 40s. I'm sorry. He, that's unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> he just said, I, I'm away from my family. There's too many uh, emotional blows to doing this. And I'm not even playing. And he's still. I, I want to take some time away. And that's when he transitioned into being a broadcaster. So if you haven't got the chance to watch all Madden, the documentary that just aired on Christmas day, do so. And I think there was a report that said that he had a chance to watch it. Um, there's a yeah. part at the end where he is watching all of the things that everyone who was interviewed for it got to say about him at the very least. It makes my heart happy to know he kind of got a feeling on how everyone felt about him. Um, maybe that is why he passed. Maybe that's what he needed is that he needed to get his flowers and say, thank you for everything. This is my swan song now. And, and it reminds me sort of of the ultimate warrior. If you're a wrestling fan, he finally made his return to WWE. Um, and then he almost knew he was dying. And, and then he passed away yeah. just days after his last raw appearance. So the Madden, Never had that sort of controversy, really, but he made his first appearance back in the public eye in what felt like forever. And then now for this to happen now is is totally crazy. Um, but as the, as the figure of Madden himself, it's synonymous with football. It's, said, it's been said a million times on social media the last two days. 
Madden is as big as the sport itself. And we've talked about Matt Rushmore of coaches and, and players, but if you talk about Matt Rushmore of football, I think it starts with John Madden. Yeah. Yeah. I I think single-handedly, as I said earlier, he is the most important singular figure in, Mm -hmm. in football history, pop Warner college, high school, anything, you know, he brought it to that other level of where man, Football's not number one in this country without John Madden. It's just not, you know, and everyone should be thanking him. And I think we do, you know, and I remember the first Madden video came on the old 8-bit Nintendos, man, and the Sega Genesis. <laughs> Good times, man. Many a nights on the weekend, staying up late, playing Madden. And then, my God, what you were able to do with roster construction. Yeah, they're just one of the best, you know, a lot of warm memories get brought to the forefront for me. Yep, absolutely. And I, I mean, I've obviously played it later. Uh, the Madden 04 probably being the one that resonates me, with me the most. Only Michael Vick on the cover. Uh, probably the best Madden player ever, Michael Vick. <laughs> he, was seen, <laughs> like, he was unstoppable in that game. Um, but Madden is the still the highest percentage, well, has the highest winning percentage of all coaches ever with 100 wins. Um, he obviously is a couple time a Super Bowl champion. He's a Hall of Famer, class of 2006. Him and Pat Summerall to this day are probably the best play-by-play uh, color combination in the history of the sport. And anything you know about sports broadcasting today, specifically football, is because of John Madden. He signed – Oh, he when CBS was losing football, he signed with Fox and made Fox be- – become this giant in football programming that it is today. As soon as they signed Madden, they got everyone else. If you ask Al Davis, uh, not Al Davis, Al Michaels, um, his career is what it is because he got to work with John Madden for nearly a decade. Yeah. Everything you know about football, whether it be video games, broadcasting, coaching, some way or another, John Madden had touched it in one way. So fly high, Mr. Madden. Thank you for all <laughs> of the great memories and all you've done for the sport that uh, Matt and I love so much. So I, we certainly would not be here today if it wasn't for, for John Matt. So in other um, sad news, Matt, and I guess the legacy is not as great, and unfortunately it didn't get the chance to be, but uh, ESPN Bears reporter Jeff Dickerson um, passed away, I think at the same day, around the yeah. same time, same um, due to due to an unfortunate cancer that he had been battling. Um I guess, you know, I'm not a Bears fan. I do recognize the name. I do know him a little bit, but um, the story is kind of, he leaves behind a child. Uh, his wife had passed away from cancer just a couple of years ago. Um, and really you can see the impact that he made by how the community and his family has stepped up in the moment since his passing. Yeah. I think the one thing you always hear about Jeff Dickerson is that if you met him, you were a better person because of it. Um, Jeff Dickerson was always the first one with a smile, um, very touching to hear the bears, how they mentioned him. Um, when Matt Nagy spoke yesterday, Jeff Dickerson was the first thing that he talked about, which is pretty classy for that type of organization, you know, for, for a reporter to be the first thing that you talk about during the middle of a season or a stretch where a coach is basically on the hot seat. And that's what he talks about. It's pretty classy. Um, but you could tell by his peers, they were heartbroken. Um, they did tributes. Um, Jeff Dickerson was nationally syndicated for a bit on Saturdays on ESPN. So kind of like that dead air time slot where no one's really going to listen, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Dickerson was a model for all reporters. And I think journalism in general, his famous thing was, I don't care if I'm the first one to report something. The most important thing is to get it right. Make sure that the story is right before reporting it. 
And one of the more famous stories is um, a, the Bears had this guy named Take Johnson. Um, he was part of the Super Bowl roster, I believe, in 2006. And David Hall, who's also a beat reporter for the Bears at that time for the Chicago Tribune, wrote a pretty scathing piece about how immature and how juvenile Tank Johnson was on top of his poor play. So Jeff Dickerson's interviewing him. You know, they're doing the media bit by his locker. And Tank Johnson is just screaming at Jeff Dickerson, thinking that he wrote the piece, trashing him. And this is Jeff Dickerson in a nutshell. He didn't interrupt him. He let him keep on going and going and going. The interview ended. Then he pulled Tank Johnson to the side and was like, Tank, I, I don't write for the Tribune. And Tank Johnson profusely apologizes. The next day at practice, Tank Johnson throws a chair at David Hall. And then he <laughs> says, that was meant for you. But, you know, Dickerson was such a great guy. And he does leave behind a young son, Parker. Um, there is a GoFundMe page. Um, as before the airing of the show, it was at $799,000. We saw teams like the Ravens. Jim Ursay donated 25,000. The Bears donated 25,000. Mean, the Seahawks, the Rams, um, you know, the Mara family, I believe, donated. Jack Easterby from the Texans. I mean, just all the support. And you could tell one person that Jeff Dickerson meant a lot to was Adam Schefter. And if you go read Adam Schefter's tweets, he has been pushing this all mm -hmm. for the past two days really trying to get it out there. And my last special thanks to a guy that's only been in Chicago for a few months at this point was Andy Dalton who chipped in $5,000 for a guy like Andy, who has no ties to Chicago to do that. Kudos to you, sir. A, a very good man. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I mean, obviously a, a man gone too soon, but at least made an impact in his uh, short time on this, as this earth here. Um, if, if you want to check out the GoFundMe, all you have to do is search for it. It's still up there posted. So at the very least, his, his son will know. And honestly, it's a, it's, a, it's a kid without any parents at this point, which yeah. is heartbreaking. Um, but to know that the impact that his, his parents made is so large that so many people cared enough about them um, has to be something that, that the child is inspired by. And I can't, I can't imagine what that kid's going to have to go through for the rest of his life because I know my parents mean to me. So I can't imagine what it's like to lose a parent, let alone both. Uh, in such a short amount of time. So um, rest in peace, Jeff Dickerson. Um, it was colon cancer that he'd been fighting for a while and yeah. his wife died from skin cancer just two years ago. So Matt, you know, we talk about every time someone passes away, we have to do this, but at the very least, it is our way of paying respect. So rest in peace, Jeff Dickerson and rest in peace, John Madden. The show has to now go on, this gonna... is what they wanted. At the very least, this is what we can do. And what they would want us to do is now talk about some football because that's what they'd be doing. John Madden, I have no doubt about that. Jeff Dickerson <laughs> would be covering the game that we're going to start with this yes. week. So that's why I started it the way I did. Uh, no Thursday night football this week. So sad face for at the end of the year now. So that they, they can the Thursday night. So that, that makes me sad. But hey, uh, we still get a full slate of football and a lot of football that matters. So we're going to now start with the early games on Sunday. And that first game, like I said, Jeff Dickerson probably previewed this game, <laughs> probably did interviews. Um, but it's the Giants traveling to Chicago to play the Bears. And this, this game matters only in draft position only. <laughs> but it does matter to the Audible, considering there are teams. Um, the Giants have come out and said that Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon are both expected to play in this game. And the Bears... I don't, uh, is it going to be Nick Foles again? Is it going to, who's it going to be? I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but I'm kind of, I, I guess for the draft sake, if I want two higher picks, 
Giants to win, but if I want the Giants to try to get the top three pick, I would need the Bears to win. So regardless, <laughs> unless it ends in a tie, which I'm not ruling out, not ruling out that possibility, um, I, I guess I don't really care what the outcome is. Regardless, the Giants are still going to have two good picks. Matt, the line opened up here as Bears minus five and a half, and that's where it stands. Yeah, it sounds like, well, yesterday Dalton and Fields practice. Nagy said um, Fields would have to be extremely healthy for him to play Sunday, which I, I don't know what that even means. So take it as you will. I, I the, This game to me is the classic, yeah, I don't really want to touch it because it's, it's really a battle of ineptitude teams. Uh, I, I think the Giants, as crazy as may sound, may, may have maybe better coached. I, I don't know. Like to me, the, the Bears are being held back by their coaching. I think the Bears have better players. They have a better roster. So in theory, they should win. Robert Quinn's going for his hundredth career sack and also trying to bake, break the Bears' single season record for sacks. That oh, was held, <laughs> yeah, by Richard Dent. So um, 17 and a half. So if he gets half a sack, he ties and he gets a hundred sacks for his career. But I, I have a feeling Robert Quinn is going to be in the backfield quite a bit against the neck that sees it all. Mike Lennon, um, Randy, I, I'm going to take the Bears when the points here. I, I think five and a half is okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Bears have that fighting mentality. They have better talent all around. I, I like the Bears defense to really stifle whatever the Giants are going to throw at them. So g- give me the Bears five and a half. Um, I'm going to say Bears 24 to the Giants 14. It's generous points wise for the Giants. They are truly one of the more inept offensive teams I can remember. Um, and they were that way with Daniel Jones, maybe not to the same extent, but between Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm, they are pathetic. They are very difficult to watch. They don't do anything like well, like there's no progress. They don't move the ball. They don't get first downs. They don't do anything. Um, their best player, Graham Gano, if he's lucky enough to kick a field goal, like that'll be the points. Um, <laughs> so yeah. that's it. The, the Giants stink. Um, the Bears uh, have much more talent than the Giants do. So that's why the Bears are going to win this game. And that's why they're going to cover. Uh, I'll take the Bears 22 to six over the wow. Giants. I'll give Graham Gano two field goals in this game. <laughs> uh, two field goals. Um, and, you know, the place that they say Quan Torres ACL last year, Soldier Field, Kenny Galladay, still looking for his first touchdown. None of that matters. Giants are awful. They're done. It's the Mike Glennon revenge game, baby. That's true. How, why, why would he want revenge on a team that paid him so much money? <laughs> right. I don't understand. How that guy still has a job beyond me. It's the neck, man. People can't resist the neck. All right. <laughs> We're moving on now to uh, Western New York, where the Buffalo Bills open up as 14 and a half point favorites over the Atlanta Falcons. Um, The Bills now back in the first place in the AFC East and the Falcons still hanging around there in the NFC wildcard picture. But um, they are the team that beats other bad teams and they seem to lose every time they play a team that's (laughs) semi-competent. So I know it's a big number, but I kind of like the Bills at home in this spot and I kind of want to take the points. I'm going to shy away from the points. I, I think the Falcons cover. The Bills are going to win this game. Um, I, I fell into this trap with the 49ers. I thought the Falcons, I thought eight and a half was too much for the Falcons not to cover and not to get 14 and a half against the Bills. Um, the Falcons seem a little feisty to me. I like their coaching. Like I said, I, I really love Arthur Smith. I think the Falcons are going places once they get that roster rebuilt. Give me the Bills 28 to the Falcons 20. 
And Matt Ryan's arm suddenly cut through the winds of Western New York. I don't Cordero know Patterson, baby. Cordero Patterson. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to take the Bills and I'm going to take the spread. Uh, so I think the Bills win big. Give me 34 to 14 over the Falcons. That backdoor covers in play for you, though, Rand. You got to watch out for it that is. garbage touchdown. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Falcons, yeah, good good job to staying relevant, but I don't buy it. All right, to the other team in the AFC East that is still hoping for a chance to win the division, which I don't necessarily see that happening. But hey, they get a gift this week coming to Foxborough in the form of the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Patriots uh, open up as sixteen and a half point favorites. That is also a massive number, and again, I kind of want to take the home team and the points. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, you know what I. I... I'm look, I, I I don't like big numbers and the Jags feel feisty to me. So I'm going to take the Jags to cover here. The Pats are going to win. Um, and, you know, D asked in the comments, first touchdown um, for Falcons bills. I'm going to go first touchdown for the bills will be Stefan Diggs. I think that's a safe bet. And then mm-hmm. for the Jags and Pats first touchdown, I'm actually going to go with, Nikhil Harry, I, I wow. like a passing touchdown for the old uh, Patriots. But, wow. but but the Jags will cover, Pats will win. Pats 27 to the Jags 24. Wow. That, that, for, that frisky, huh? That's interesting. It, it's going to be a lot of garbage points. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, first touchdown of the Bills. Um, I'm going to speak from speak with my heart here because I really need it. Uh, I'm in a fantasy championship game with Dawson Knox. So give me a Dawson Knox touchdown to get things going in Buffalo. Um, and for the Pats, I will say a Damian Harris touchdown because he's been pretty good for them. No, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Damian Harris has been pretty good. But I'm going to take the Patriots. Their defense is still really good. They're not playing Josh Allen this week. The Jags offense feels like a mess. Uh, they were very competitive against the Jets, but you know who wasn't competitive against the Patriots? The Jets. So <laughs> uh, if that's the speed of the Jags here, then I expect a blowout again for the Patriots. So uh, give me the Pats uh, 35 to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 13. Oh, God. I can't. Unless, Trevor Lawrence, please have a good game again. <laughs> <laughs> I do want I, – I, I, you know, we both love Trevor Lawrence. So we both need that to be a thing. Yes. But um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, another early game now, uh, and a surprisingly early game slot for the Kansas City Chiefs. They are typically not in this uh, early slot, mm-hmm. uh, but they are this week because they are going to a magical place. Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> you know, it's really not often you get to go to places as good as, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> the Chiefs, now the one seed in the AFC, going to place now the top spot right now so far in the AFC North, the Bengals. Um, they, they very much could win this division, but they have a huge task in front of them with the Chiefs. The Chiefs open as five and a half point favorites on the road. Um, and then actually it was four and a half. It opened up as now it's five and a half. So uh, people leaning towards the chiefs more in this game. And uh, I can't say I blame them. Yeah. I'm going to lean the chiefs here. I do like Joey Burrow. And he even said Cincinnati, there's nothing to do there. So that's why they don't get a lot of COVID cases. So, um, you know, Cincinnati does a lot of interesting things here. I like what they have to offer Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, um, Boyd, but to me, the Chiefs are playing a different type of football right now. And the Bengals have shown me one thing this year that has been constant is they usually follow up a big win with a big dud. 
And I just don't like them in the spot. The Chiefs are, I think, clearly establishing themselves the Super Bowl favorites in the AFC. And, and I think they're going to get there. And I think they win this game. I like the Chiefs and the points. Um, if it's still at four and a half, I don't care if it's five and a half. I like the Chiefs by a touchdown. Give me the Chiefs 35 to the Bengals 27. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the Chiefs to cover the points here, too, because like you said, every time the Bengals seemingly get a big win, they are not ready for primetime after that and <laughs> they fall back a notch. And I just think the Chiefs are in this mode where um, they did this last year. I said they all year they were coasting and then they ended up cruising them to the Super Bowl where obviously uh, they got blown out. But I, I thought this year early on, they, they were playing around too much, getting too cute. They've kind of found themselves um, and I expect them to roll here as well. So five and a half. I like the Chiefs. Um, give me them. Uh, I like your score a little bit, but let me go 31 to 24. Um, fun fact, though, the Bengals have a chance to make history in the last couple of weeks. They have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins currently as a thousand yard receivers on the season. Tyler Boyd is just 208 yards away from joining him. Uh, so they could have three 1,000 yards receivers. And I believe the last team to do that was the 08 Cardinals. So that would be huge for this young Bengals team to have that sort of offensive production. And I don't know how, how I think Mixon might already be over 1,000 yards if he's you know around there too. That would be quite the, the accomplishment for that team, especially how young they are. So Yeah, yeah. And Kelsey gets the first touchdown since he's coming back from COVID. Kelsey, yeah, that's probably a safe bet. I'm not going to go against you on that, Kelsey. Uh, probably itching to get back out on the field. Okay. Now, uh, the Rams going to Baltimore. Uh, and news out of camp today for the Ravens is that Lamar did not practice, and his portion of practice was not even open to the media. So my guess is that he's hobbling around too much for them to really want that out there. So um, don't love that. The Rams opening up as three-and-a-half-point favorites, now four-and-a-half-point favorites over the Ravens. And the Ravens, I gave them credit all year. They were able to battle through all those injuries, all those people on the IR, but it feels like now it's caught up to them and they are in a bit of a free-for-all. Obviously, when you're starting Josh Johnson and Tyler Huntley a bunch and you don't have Lamar, it doesn't help, but there's so many more injuries than just those guys. Um, there's You're missing key secondary players. You've lost like four running backs this year. The Ravens, unfortunately, the injury bug has become too much, and I kind of like the Rams to keep rolling here and put the pressure on the Cardinals for that division spot. Yeah, I, I like the Rams here with plus the points. Four and a half is okay. I, I think I don't mind Huntley starting. I, I think that is not a bad play. If Josh Johnson's starting, I hate that. I don't think that helps them very much in this game. Um, the Rams are seeming to kick it up a gear. They want to win their division. The Cardinals are free falling. Um, the 49ers lost just a huge game against the Titans. So I don't know how the other teams are going to fare this week, but I do know that I think the Rams respond in a big way. I think if they win Randy, I think they clinched the NFC West. So oh. th this, this could be a big game because I believe they hold the tiebreaker over Arizona. So, and they're a game up on Arizona right now as it stands. So give me the Rams with the four and a half. I think they win 27 to 10. Hmm. I, I do need Stafford to come back and have a better game than he played last week. He, he threw three picks. Uh, not, not a great game for Matt. Um, but the running game seems to be working well for them. Cooper Cup had a quiet game, but still had 10 catches for 100 yards. So take that for what you will. And uh, OBJ finds the end zone pretty often for them these days. So I like the vibe around the Rams right now. They had a little bit of a lull in the midseason, but seems like now they have figured something out. So I, too, like the Rams. Give me them 31 
to the Ravens 16. Cause I do think Lamar plays, but I don't think he's hundred percent. So I think he's going to be a little bit hobbled. I agree. All right, moving on another early game. We got a bunch of early games. We got a, probably the biggest late game slate this year too, since all the games are happening on Sunday, except for one. Um, the Raiders going to Indianapolis to play the Colts and the Raiders. I can't believe they're still lingering around here. They're still alive at eight and seven. I don't know what the hell is going on here, but sure enough, they're still hanging around. They're still here. They're, they're living. Um, but they opened up <laughs> as a seven and a half point underdog now at seven against the Colts. So um, Carson Wentz, not going to play in this game. Uh, Sam Ellinger, the former Texas quarterback, I believe, is the one in in line to start. So that's is, he a, is Wentz officially out? Well, Wentz isn't vaccinated, so. But, yeah, th- they moved the COVID protocols to where you only have to isolate for five days. Let me let me look that up. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, either way, it's a big number for mm-hmm. both these teams. I, I don't love Sam Ellinger, but I love Jonathan Taylor. So I'm not sure if Wentz playing helps or hurts, but, you know, just for my pick, Randy, I'm, I'm going to take the Raiders to cover, but the Indy to win. Jonathan Taylor gets the first touchdown. Give me the Colts 24 to the Raiders 22. Yeah, because the NFL has new protocols after the CDC announced. It went from 10 to 5. Um, so if he has to test negative, uh, I believe, Yep. So he has to isolate for five days. And if he tests negative, he can come back. We won't know this obviously until Saturday. So this is a big waiting game. Um, and if he doesn't play, uh, it will be Ellinger if he can't yep. play. Yeah. Um, I think I like the Raiders regardless to cover uh, in this game, but I do um, think that the Colts are going to win regardless if it's out. I mean, Ellinger, I've never really seen before in, at, in the pro level. I don't think any of us have, so I don't know what we really can expect. Yeah. But I like Reich enough, and I like the rest of the Colts enough to be able to beat the, the Raiders. This feels like an organizational victory <laughs> for the Colts over the Raiders. Now, uh, Derek Carr, congrats on a great season. You, you're top three in passing yards. You are keeping the Raiders somehow relevant all season long. I do not understand how, but uh, I don't think it's enough in this one. So give me the Colts. What, what was your score? 24, 22. Very close on that one. Uh, I will take the Colts 23 to 17. Very close there. Very, very close cover. Um, and then I will say uh, Josh Jacobs gets the first touchdown. No, Josh Jacobs. Running backs galore this game, I see. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, All right. Moving on to the Dolphins, who are winners of seven in a row. My goodness. Um, They are on fire now, eight and seven, with also a chance for them to make a postseason push. Let me just find the spread on this one. They travel to Tennessee to play the Titans, uh, who had a huge, huge win on Thursday Night Football against the Niners last week to remain in control of the AFC South uh, at 10 and four. Titans, three and a half point favorites. It opened up as, and it remains at three and a half. And this is one of these things where I think the half point makes all the difference. And I'm, I kind of want to take the Dolphins with the points. Yeah, I, I'm picking the Dolphins to win straight up. I, I, I think it goes eight wins in a row, baby. They're pushed for the playoffs. I, I think the Dolphins are sneaking in the playoffs. Damn it. I said it. I said it before the season. I said it. Now I am, I am riding this Miami Dolphins train to the playoffs, baby. Uh, I, I like what I see from Tua. Brian Flores is a great coach. I, I think they have weapons. First touchdown. I'm going to say Tua runs it in for the first touchdown, by the way, of the game. Mm. So I, I like Tua here a lot. I think the Dolphins are doing some good things. I just, 
you know, I, I, the Italians are a good story. I mean, take no omen against them. I just don't think that that team is as good without Derrick Henry. And I know Derrick Henry may return week 18. That's a possibility, but week 18 is not week 17. So I'm taking the Dolphins 23 to 20. Okay. Okay. I really like what I saw from the Titans last week. Uh, I thought AJ Brown really gave them a boost that they needed really looked like the focal point of the offense. And but the only thing that makes me a little discouraged is that the, the Niners secondary is not the same as the Dolphins secondary. Cause I think the Dolphins secondary can contain them just a little bit. And without Derrick Henry, there's not the same rushing threat. So um, I don't really know. I'm not going to be totally confident in this, but I do think the Titans win, but I don't think they cover. So uh, give me Tennessee. I'm going to go 21 to 20 over the Dolphins, but it's a close one. And it would not shock me at all if the Dolphins won this game, but I'm going to say the Titans win at home. All right. Okay. Next one on the docket here, Matt Bushnell, NFC East. You know, the people love the NFC East. Uh, <laughs> the Eagles uh, traveling to Landover, Maryland to play the Washington football team. Make it make sense. Um, but Philly opens up as three and a half point favorites on the road. And Washington feels like they are now falling off of a cliff. They are now six and nine. The Eagles, I believe, eight and seven. So they're very much relevant in that last NFC wildcard spot. Man, uh, if you asked me about this game three weeks ago, I probably would have liked Washington more, but I kind of like the Eagles are poised to make the playoffs now. Yeah, I like the Eagles on the points here. I think the Eagles win big, 30-20. to 20. Um, Everything seems to be rolling for them. I like where Jalen Hurts is going. Um, just I, I, I'm in on the Eagles. All right. Um, they struggled with the Giants in the first half last week. It was tied at three uh, halftime. So take that for what you will, but um, they were able to take care of business when that game 36 to three, I think the final was. So uh, I do think Washington is better, but you know, if any indication that they're starting to lose the locker room a little Mm -hmm. bit happened in that Dallas game, there's a fight on the sideline getting, you got 56 points put on you by the Cowboys. Something's not right. So I do. I too like the Eagles. I like this point. Uh, I, I like them to cover as well. So give me the Eagles. You said 30 to 20. I will take them 33 to 17 over Washington. Weird scores. I want some score gummy action. So I keep saying weird scores. Okay. Right, yeah. well, you're going to hit one of these one of these days. Yeah. Weird, weird things happen in the NFL if you didn't know. So <laughs> um, just, you know, trying to help that out. Um, now the Jets, you know, the Jets, I don't know if there was any team happier when Tom Brady left the AFC East than the New York Jets, but this week he's back. Uh, <laughs> the Jets welcome in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, are a 13 point. Uh, they opened up as a 13 and a half point underdog at home. Now they are a 13 point underdog uh, against the Bucs. And um, I said it last week about the Bucs. I know they had injury issues. I know they had COVID issues, but the Panthers are a mess. And the Jets are just not at the same level right now as the Bucs. And as long as they have Tom Brady and the rest of the guy and enough other guys for him to throw the ball to, I like the Bucs here and I like him to cover. 13 and a half is a big number. It is a huge number, but the Jets, I, I just don't trust the offense to keep up with the points. I, I think the Bucs are going to be able to step on the gas here, get ready for that playoff push. Even with Fournette out, I think Mike Evans will be out as well, along with Chris Godwin but they still have Gronk and Antonio Brown. And I think that's enough. Tom Brady has done more with less in the past. So I, I, I do like the Bucks here, 35 to 17. 
Yeah, I'm just going to go Bucks 31 to the Jets 10. Uh, I think it's a tough day for Zach Wilson against that, that Bucks defense. Fair enough. Yeah, so that's the early games. Uh, now we got some late games to talk about here. Uh, I'm just going to scroll down and find the slate here. But um, we're going to start off with AFC West and two teams I think we both expected to be better. But one team clearly has still has a chance to make the playoffs, uh, and that is the um, Los Angeles Chargers. They welcome in division rival Denver Broncos, who if it's Drew Locke again, which I think it might be, then I really don't like the Broncos in this spot. <laughs> um, but the Chargers laid an absolute egg against the Houston Texans, so I don't really trust the Chargers at all, and I wanted to love them and Herbert unconditionally, but I kind of feel like now I have to be hesitant with that love. So right now it opened up uh, as a Chargers five-and-a-half-point favorite. Now six sits at six and a half. So oh, the public likes the Chargers an awful lot in this spot. Yeah, Drew Locke starting. So that is kind of yeah. I'm not sure if I want to dip my toe in that water. Um I'm gonna take I'll take the Chargers to end the points. I, I think the Chargers are gonna cover at five and a half or six and a half. I think I can see them winning by a touchdown. Um the Broncos are just so limited at the quarterback position. I just think it hurts their chances way too much. Um, so give me a Justin Herbert four touchdown game, 31 to 21 over the Broncos. As long as Austin Eckler catches a couple of those touchdowns, I personally don't care how many touchdown passes he throws. But I really missed Eckler in my lineup last week. And Justin Jackson filled in uh, just fine when, in his absence for one of them. But um, I'm happy to see Eckler back. So, yeah, I at the end of the day, my love for Herbert still is strong. <laughs> so I can't waver in that. Um, and I just think that he will get the job done. Uh, six and a half is a little bit too big of a number for my liking on the Chargers, but I just don't love the lock thing with the Broncos. So I think the Chargers win by a touchdown, and it's enough here. Give me the Chargers 24-16 to 16 over Denver. And now we're moving on to, you know, this is the thing, a lot of big numbers this week, but I also like the teams getting the big numbers. So I feel like I'm taking all <laughs> these teams getting the big numbers. So it could go poorly for me, but we'll see. Because every time I get suckered into a big number, I hate myself for it. So now we go to Santa Clara, where the San Francisco 49ers opened up as a 12 and a half point favorite over the Houston Texans. Uh, and now it still sits at 12 and a half. So nothing changed there. Uh, the Texans upset the Chargers at home last week. Davis Mills is audition tape growing, growing, growing. Maybe he will be the guy for them next year. And the Niners coming off of that loss to the Titans on Thursday night. Um, I kind of like the Niners to bounce back here, but you have the lingering Jimmy G thumb issue. Um, so unsure if he's going to play a quarterback. And then if he does, doesn't play, maybe it's Trey Lance. And if Trey Lance doesn't play, then I really don't know what to make of the Niners. As well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the Niners can withstand playing a, a really bad quarterback versus the Texans because the Niners are built on defense. I think there's going to be a low-scoring game. The number's just too big. The, the Texans are feisty. Um, I, I think they're playing somewhat hard. They have four wins. I could see them stretching that into five. So I think it's it's a game that opens themselves up to covering such a big number. Give me the 49ers over the Texans, Randy. 17 to 12. Mm. Defense, maybe Bosa gets a few sacks. Henry starts talking defense player of the year nonsense again, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's going to Robert Quinn. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Yeah, completely well, ridiculous. Well, okay. Well, um, as of now, if Jimmy G plays and he's somewhat competent, because really we've talked about this, as long as Jimmy G can get the ball to Kittle, I like the Niners so much more. And if he can't, if he doesn't play, someone else plays, I like the Niners less only because of the uncertainty that comes with that. I don't know what to expect from Trey Lance at this point. And so far what we've seen from him isn't exactly making me all that excited. So um, I'm going to operate as if Jimmy G is starting. And the Niners are good enough. And I do think that they're good enough to cover. So I'll say the Niners 24 to the Texans 10. And maybe the, the, the Niners defense gets a score to help that offense to help them cover. So oh, that's a big number. Big, big number. number. Big, big number for sure. For sure. All right. Another late one. And this is, might be the game of the day. Uh, and it is the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Dallas to play the Cowboys who have won the NFC East. Um, so good job, whatever. Congratulations. Uh, can't wait for your first round of exit and all this crap. Um, but hey, the Cardinals are free falling. <laughs> they were the last remaining undefeated team in the, uh, in, the, in the NFL. And now they sit at, what is it, uh, nine and five? Or are they 10 and four? At- 10 and five. 10 and five. Okay. So I'm getting my whole record wrong here. Uh, but 10 and five, it's crazy because they were seven and zero at one point. So yeah. they're clearly not doing too well, but um, the Cowboys now clinch the division. The defense obviously is still really good, but I think the Cardinals are in full desperation mode and they need this game so much more than Dallas does. Um, so it opened up at five and a half as the Cowboys favorite. And now it's now six. So the public loves the Cowboys. I like the Cardinals to cover and I might even like the Cardinals to win. I like the Cowboys to cover the spread. I, wow. I think the points are enough at six. It makes a lot of sense. You, you may get a little push action here if they don't get that half a point mm-hmm. somewhere. But to me, the Cardinals' woes are painfully evident. Um, Kyler Murray is a little bit careless with the football, whether it's fumbling or throwing interceptions. And this Dallas defense is extremely opportunistic when it comes to 50-50 balls, either on the ground or in the air. And without DeAndre Hopkins, I really don't love what this offense is going to do. Maybe they get James Conner back for this game, which would be a huge boost for this offense because they need it. Um, But to me, what the Cowboys offense can do with those three wide receivers against that Cardinals secondary is it's going to put a lot of pressure on that 49 or on that Cardinals front to get to the quarterback. And I don't know if they can. And if you give Dak some time and you let them run the football with Tony Pollard and Zeke, it's... To, to me, the Dallas is like death by a thousand paper cuts. That they, they can beat you in so many different ways. They're patient enough to go on long drives. They have the big, big playability to strike quickly. And if they get up on Arizona early, Kyler's going to start getting a little bit. Pr- he's going to start pressing a little bit. I feel. That's why I like Dallas. Um, give me the Cowboys thirty-four to Arizona's twenty-five. Game still matters to the Cowboys for seeding purposes. Obviously, they they do, in theory, have a chance for the one seed. So it's not like it's meaningless, but um, I think they'll you know, take that. Hey, we dropped 56 on Washington as a <laughs> we're, we're, we're right now. You know, we're, we're good. Um, but the last three weeks, they have played Taylor Heineke twice. They have played um, the combination of Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm. <laughs> so this is the first time in, you know, over a month that they're playing a real quarterback in my mind. So I think Kyler will give them issues. I know he struggled without DeAndre Hopkins, but I do think the Cardinals – uh, they need this game. They really do need this game a ton. So I'm going to take them only based on desperation alone. So give me the Cardinals 24 to 21 over the Cowboys. Big story in my mind here, Randy. If the Cardinals lose, 
I think that has to be end, be the end of Cliff Kingsbury. If they if they miss the playoffs, if you started seven and zero, and mm-hmm. then you finish the year by not making the playoffs, they already I, clinched. I, I thought didn't they already clinch the playoffs? Yeah, you're right. You're right. They did. Yeah, they did. They did. But if they're a first round exit, I think that could be warranted for it too. Yeah, I mean, you can't finish the year like this. I think is what's going on. Like we we just see them free falling, and I know Corey Decker, our our Arizona fan extraordinaire, does not like Kingsbury that much. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a track record for King for Kingsbury now where they f- falter at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see how this one plays out. Yeah, I don't like Kingsbury either. I've made that pretty evident all year that he's the one thing I don't trust that much about the Cardinals. But if we're talking about coaches, the other side, uh, Mike McCarthy, <laughs> not exactly making me uh, all that you know worried either. So um, for the record about the Cowboys, too, I wanted to point out that actually it was it was Taylor Heineke twice. Mike Lennon, Taysom Hill, and then before that was Derek Carr, and that was the last time they lost, which was on Thanksgiving Day. So oh, wow. not a you know a whole wrecking crew of, of football uh, quarterbacks that the Cowboys have played here in the last uh, five, six weeks. But, okay, I think, hey, this is our first, like, major disagreement of the show, so that'll be interesting to see who comes out on top there. I mean, you're the Arizona native. You would probably know better than me, but this is a gut feeling I have. All right, well, we're, we're going to let it ride, baby. It's a big gut for the record. When I have a gut feeling, it's a pretty big one. So (laughs) just find that out. (laughs) All right. Carolina now going to New Orleans to play the Saints, which who look like uh, they're going to get some reinforcements, which if you're a Saints fan, I I read the story that, you know, they had so many guys on the COVID list, they should have rescheduled the game, which I think is fair considering they did that for other teams with less players on the COVID list. So I think if you're a Saints fan, you have a legit gripe there because you had to start Ian Book. But you know, Monday Night Football is a big brand. So with the NFL, it's going to take a lot for them to not want to do that. Yeah. So the Saints, I think you're going to get Taysom back. And uh, that alone makes me like you a little bit more, I guess. But, you know, I just like you more than the Panthers regardless because the Panthers are a mess. I don't like the Sam Darnold, Cam Newton thing they have going on. Uh, it opened up as Carolina as a six-and-a-half-point underdog, and now it's the Saints as – actually, no, it opened up as seven-and-a-half, and now it is a six-and-a-half. So teams are – the public's betting on the Panthers, and I don't really get it. Have you watched the Panthers? They stink. Yeah. They're terrible. And just for that only reason alone, I like the Saints, and I like them to cover. Yeah, I, I like the Saints to cover here too. I mean, we're talking about Sam Darnold at quarterback this week, I believe. So, you know, he's good for about three or four picks, you know, and, and that, that alone gives them a chance to really separate. Um, I don't love the Saints quarterback situation, even Taysom Hill. I mean, it's all a problem with them, really, at the quarterback position. Um, I'm not – is Kamara in the lineup? I haven't heard too much about him. But... He played last week, but okay. you know, he, he didn't do a ton, so I assume he's back. Okay. So, yeah, if Kamara's playing, I yeah, I mean, it's not working, not, not even close to 1,000% Matt Rule. So, I think this is a big game for the Panthers. I think they have to win it, Randy, because if they don't, I think Matt rule is going to be under that microscope and it, it might be that time where they move on from him, but who knows what the ownership in Carolina is thinking about this situation, but I like the saints and the points. Like you said, give me the saints and the points, baby. They're going to let it ride saints, 28 Panthers, 13. Yeah. But Jay-Z, it took him seven years. So, you know, maybe they want to get in those seven years. Oh, it's Rome a- wasn't built in the day. So, you know, maybe you <laughs> got to give the guy seven years before you were willing to move on. Uh, <laughs> give me New Orleans as well. Uh, I like them 27 to 10 over the Panthers. Um, just just get Matt Rule out of my face. I'm, I'm over him. I'm, yeah, he's, he's done. Toast. Yeah, yeah. 
And I'm over uh, Sam Darnold too, despite Vince calling me out for me thinking he was going to be good two years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he stinks. I admit it. He stinks. All right. All right. Uh, last late last game in the late window here on Sunday, and it's the Detroit Lions. Leon's winning Lions, just making make covering Lions. I mean, they're two twelve and one, but they are covering machines. If you take the Lions to cover every week, you'd be a happy camper. Yeah. Uh, and they get another big number this week as the Seahawks open up a six-and-a-half-point favorites and now sit as a touchdown favorite. I think that is too much for Seattle, who just lost to Nick Foles and the Bears. I think Seattle's a mess. And I think the Lions, as much as they stink, have a better culture right now than the Seahawks do. So I don't know if I'm willing to take the Lions to win, but I'm certainly willing to take them to cover. Give me the Lions and the points, baby. Give me wow. the Lions are winning straight up. You heard it here first. I predicted it last week. They did cover, so I take half credit for that. <laughs> but I, I like the Lions here. I think what they're doing is rebranding that culture. And like you said, what we saw from the Seahawks last week has to be disturbing. Russell Wilson does not look good. And I think the Lions get Jared Goff back. Now, if Jared yes, Goff – Yep, and if Jared Goff – it might even be more important to get DeAndre Swift back. Oh, and they get DeAndre Swift back. I'm definitely taking the Lions here. You talked <laughs> me into it, Randy. So give me those Detroit fighting lions. You know, I, I, I'm going to predict a blowout here. Blowout alert. MCDC what? gets his first blowout. Lions 27, Seahawks 13. That would be incredible. Now our chat might not ever be better than that. If that <laughs> happens, like I, I just think it would be between Henry loving the Seahawks losing and Leon's lions rolling that would be something uh i'm not willing to go that far uh but as someone with deandre swift in a fantasy championship uh big time swift uh supporter and look i don't need the jets getting any more better picks than they already have so seahawks just win the game just leave me alone with the picks don't don't help the jets more okay i i can't no enough so i'm like the seahawks but i only like them barely so like maybe a russ to lock it touchdown late but the lions cover uh, give me Seattle 28 to 27 over the Lions. Ooh. The fighting covering Detroit Lions. Gotta love it. Now for the Lions division oh. or division, the NFC North on Sunday night football, we get the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field bringing in the Minnesota Vikings. And Kirk Cousins must have some sort of immunity that I've never heard of because everyone and their mother has this COVID going on. And he's the most famously known unvaccinated person on the planet. And the guy just won't get it. So uh, maybe the Vikings are trying to give it to him and he just won't get it. And here we are. But nonetheless, Kirk Cousins fighting through it all. Uh, they opened up a six and a half point underdogs in Green Bay. And now the Packers are seven point favorites. Um, Rogers, I think, hasn't practiced all week, but we've seen this uh, bonus show all, all, all year with the uh, the foot and everything. Um, look, the Packers are the best team in this division. They're the best team in the conference, in my opinion. I think they win this game. They already lost to Minnesota in Minnesota. I don't think it's going to happen again. And Lambeau, the seven is what scares me. I don't know if it's too many points, but I don't know if I like Kirk Cousins in Lambeau early January. I kind of want to just take Green, uh, Green Bay straight up. You know, it, this is the battle of the unvaccinated quarterbacks, but one's True. a doctor. One is a doctor. Apparently. And has antibodies. So yeah, antibodies, dewormer, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Doctor, Doctor Aaron Rodgers knows exactly what he's talking about here. Um, you know, he has a weekly hit spot on the Pat McAfee show, and well, they only he, talk about COVID now. <laughs> uh, only COVID because only Aaron, the pandemic. Aaron Rodgers is now a virologist. He knows yep. everything about viruses. Go to him for all your information. I'm 
being majorly facetious here, um, <laughs> I, the, the stuff that he spewed on Tuesday, Randy, is com- look. If if you're not a scientist and you get all your information from tea leaves and self-confirming articles of what you believe in, you get down this path. Just try to find impartial sources. With that being said, Aaron Rodgers is one hell of a quarterback. He may be the best in the NFL. He's probably going to win another MVP. Um, I don't know what the Vikings do here. I don't think the Vikings are that good. They lost to the Rams, obviously. They barely beat the Bears, as we talked about. And the Packers are light years better than both of those teams, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Packers are going to cover. I don't care if it's a touchdown. I don't care if it's 10 points. If, if they doubled up the points here, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, th- I think Aaron Rodgers seals the deal with the MVP case this week, even with his COVID toe. Um, give me the Packers 34 to the Vikings 7, eh, 18. I just, I, 18. I, I don't, yeah, 18. All right. Well, maybe it's six Greg Joseph field goals, <laughs> which also have my fantasy team in a championship on the line. Uh, I'm just being greedy all around here, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can I, tell I, you're angling for yeah. this. Yeah, you know, there's a good amount of money on the line here, so uh, you got to support your guys. A couple things to note. Dalvin Cook returning after being put on the COVID-19 reserve list. He's back. Uh, but Adam Thielen placed on IR. So look, transactions for the Vikings. And then I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but Rodgers said that he'll make his decision on his future not long after the season ends. So I don't know if that means, like, he has retirement already on the mind here because that's kind of what I get out of this. But you think you think there's a possibility Rodgers retires after the season? Not a chance in hell. Wow. Because if he says he's ready to make it right after the season, I kind of feel like that, that could be on the table. What decision is there to make? Like, talk about playing again next year? What was he going to do? I mean, this has got Brett Favre, Diva, Rin all over it. He's angling it does. His- Right. <laughs> he, he's angling his way out of green Bay. I mean, I, I think that's what this comes down to, um, you know, for, for all the talk about him smoothing over that relationship. One thing about Aaron Rodgers is he's the most petty grudge holding person in the world. Like he does not forget things. And even mm-hmm. though he'll play chummy with Gutenkist and Matt LaFleur, I think he's out of there. And I think he made dangle retirement as the stick to get him out. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to take Green Bay in the points as well. Uh, I, I like them to win 31 to 20 over the Vikings. Now, for another quarterback's future who seems like retirement is here, um, the Cleveland Browns is going to Pittsburgh to play Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Big Ben has told everyone, his family, his whole entire family is going to the game, which is likely his last game in Pittsburgh, unless the Steelers somehow made the playoffs and hosted a playoff game, most likely his last game. Look, you watch the Steelers, you can tell Big Ben is, is kind of cooked. You know, he's done. It happens to everyone. It's no no shame in it. But um, Big Ben uh, is slow. <laughs> His arm is not the same. It is time to hang it up. But they get the Browns, the team that Big Ben has only lost to, I believe, twice in his entire career one of them and that's not even counting the playoff loss from last year so uh the browns opened up as a two and a half point uh road favorite and now the steelers are three and a half point dogs i think the browns are a mess baker mayfield threw four picks on christmas day uh, i don't know the sass tj watt he's obviously my barometer for the steelers these days <laughs> but uh regardless i just i feel like the steelers are going to get up and help ben get a one more win on his way out the door yeah emotional games always tend to you know, fill it out for the team that's really trying to fight for their guy. And if anything, Pittsburgh loves Big Ben. And I'm not going to get into all the stuff off the field stuff. I don't care. Let 
that stuff for after his career is done and over and you want to judge him as a person. My feelings have been pretty well known in football life, what I think about the guy, and it's not very good. But with that being said, Baker Mayfield's bad at football. I mean, he's just, he's just so bad. Um, those four interceptions, all of them were brutal. All of them were costly. Not one of them helped. He's not growing as a quarterback. People love him and people want to make excuses for him. I think a lot of Cleveland fans, though, are ready to see him go. Thank God, because I think he's holding that team back. He's the anchor on that Cleveland Brown ship right now. They thought they were getting a guy like Joe Burrow, but they got a guy like Sam Darnold. So mm-hmm. um, to me, it's time to move on. I like the Steelers and the points. They're going to cover this one and win it. Give me the Steelers 21 to 17 over the Brownies. Yeah, uh, the Steelers getting three and a half at home. It's easy right there, but I like them to win straight up. Um, so give me them uh, 23 to 20 over the Browns. 23 to 20. All right, so that's Monday Night Football. That might be the last Monday Night Football of the regular season. I'm not 100% sure on that, but they do have it a is. Monday Night Football playoff game now. ESPN did get one of the uh, wild card round playoff games. So at the very least, we're going to get Steve Levy, and we're going to get all the guys again <laughs> at least one more time for the playoffs. So, Yay. okay. Well, Matt, speaking of playoffs, we get an exciting playoff in college football. Today's New Year's Eve. Eve. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve. And the, the college football playoff is here and tomorrow. It is all for the marbles. Number four, the Cincinnati Bearcats mm-hmm. taking on number one overall seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide, Nick Saban, Satan himself. We don't talk about college football a lot in the show, but we thought, hey, the big bowls are upon us. Let's yep. just talk about them quick at the end of the show. You're, you have, you have some rooting interests involved. We want to just, you know, give the people what they want. So. Let's make our predictions for the first round, and then we'll make our predictions for the championship game since that's the last game played. So we'll start it off with this. Cincy, Bama, first game tomorrow. Who do you like? It would be the biggest upset, in my opinion, in college football history if Cincinnati beat Alabama. I like I, I played the scenario in my head. What does Cincinnati have to do? Injure the first and second string of Alabama, offense and defensively. Like, all those guys have to be off the board. Um, just the, the depth of Alabama is stupid. You just go up and down that roster, like NFL player, NFL player, NFL player, NFL, 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 like all these guys are going to play in the NFL at some point or another. And Bama just is so well coached. The moment is here's the thing. Like there are teams where you could like, man, you know, if you haven't been here before and the coaches, you know, this moment might be too big for them, or they may look past it. Nick Saban's team never looks past anything there is not a game that they take for granted on their schedule and they try and yeah they lose one here or there but to me this is the best coach team in college football history because he's the best coach in college football history and they have the best roster in college football right now top to bottom so i'm gonna take alabama in a blowout here randy i mean i don't know what the spread is for this game but give me bama and a half. yeah but bama's covering 13 and a half easy over under 57 over and i think bama gets 50 so well i look i like desmond ritter i think he could play at the next level if he finds the right situation um i think cincinnati has good players like really good players yeah but that's like a fraction of how many good players alabama has <laughs> yes. um two guys that the that since he has that i love they're both corners 
Sauce Gardner, all-time name, by the yes. way. Sauce Gardner, he's going to play at the next level. And then a guy who I just love his name, Kobe Bryant, uh, as another <laughs> corner, spelled differently than, you know, the, the legendary basketball player. Um, but he wears number seven on a regular basis. going to wear number eight tomorrow in honor of Kobe. Mm. Love that. Love that for my guy. Um, but that's like the extent <laughs> for the Bearcats. Um, I love the story. I'm so happy they made the playoff here. But it's going to take a miracle um, for them to do, to, to beat Alabama. And they were competitive with Georgia, I thought, last year in their bowl game. Mm-hmm. And if they got Georgia, I might have liked their chances a little bit more. But at the same time, Georgia also has a little bit of a stink in my head <laughs> around them now with, after that loss to Alabama. So um, I'm with you. I think the 13 and a half Alabama covers. Uh, they're going to score probably high 30s, 40-ish. And then I like Cincy to maybe score in the 20s. So uh, I like Alabama to cover and I like the over. Uh, and then the other game. So, so now we both like Alabama to make the national championship game. Um, hell of a season by Cincinnati. Nothing to be ashamed of there. Um, and then the other game is number three, Georgia, the Bulldogs taking on number two, the Michigan Wolverines. And this game opened up as Michigan um, getting seven and a half. And it's still at seven and a half right now. So much closer on the spread. I think these two teams are pretty even, but um, I, I guess I lean SEC here. I think Georgia's dominance all season cannot be overstated. I know they lost Alabama, but I just like Georgia a ton. I love their roster, NFL players all over the place. And I, you know, I'm not a college football expert, but I like Georgia in this spot. I actually like Michigan. And the reason why I like Michigan here is I don't think you can underestimate upperclassmen when it comes to a team. And I think in college that makes a big difference. Um, Michigan does some things I like really well. I like Jim Harbaugh as a coach. I know he gets a lot of criticism uh, around the nation. I mean, he's one of the highest paid coaches, but he seems to do things right. He d- he's not going to break any NCAA rules, or at least knowingly. Huh. So with that being said, Georgia's defense, I think, is what is everyone's fawning over. Like, oh, my God, Georgia's defense is great. Their offense is the problem. Um, they, they can go in spurts where it is a struggle to score points. I think what Michigan can do with Aiden Hutchinson is really put a lot of pressure. And I think Aiden Hutchinson is probably going to be either the number one or number two pick in the NFL draft. So Michigan's going to have the best player on the field in this game, I feel. Um, George is a nice story, but I, I think this is where the Big Ten gets their revenge. It takes an upperclassman full of team or an, a team full of upperclassmen such as Michigan to knock off a team like Georgia. Um, Ohio State has more talent that comes in and out than a lot of these other teams. That's why you could see Ohio State making moves against the SEC teams. But to me, this is the perfect storm. If Jim Harbaugh doesn't get there this year, I don't think he ever does, Randy. This is going to be his best team, and it's loaded with upperclassmen. So give me the Wolverines, baby. I'm going to take Michigan 31 to Georgia's 27. Yeah, this is our best chance at a great game here, I feel. <laughs> this yes. has got to be an all-timer. Um, and it would be appropriate if it ended in heartbreak for Georgia. I feel like it seems to be a trend for them. Um, but I've said it all year, and I will say it again. If Georgia doesn't win it this year, they're never going to win it. And that remains to be true here. And I'm not sure they're still going to have to beat Alabama, but I think they're going to get a repeat of the SEC championship game. Yeah. Give me Georgia 28 to Michigan's 24. And I think it is the best game of the weekend. 
So New Year's Day Bowls, Matt. And I, I wrote them out, but we don't have to talk about all of them. We got Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. We get Penn State versus Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. Iowa versus Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. Utah versus Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, which is one I think I like the most here. And then Baylor versus Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. Now COVID permitting, all these games are going to go off on New Year's Day. So it could be a great day of just having football on in the background. Well, which one of these games catching your eye? What are you looking forward to? I agree with you on the Utah game. Uh, against Ohio State Mm -hmm. but I like Utah to win that game Ohio State I think I'm with you yeah Yeah. Chris Olive and Garrett Williams I believe Mm -hmm. um, both entered the NFL draft and will not play in the Rose Bowl so Ohio State is losing two of their biggest playmakers so pound Utah if, if, if you're a pervert and you bet on college football, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. Hey, everyone has their dirty sisters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You perverts. Um, <laughs> bet on Utah to cover, if not outright win. I, I think Utah is going to win that football game. Um, I was an interesting play here. I don't necessarily love them. Notre Dame has my eye because I want to see how they play with Freeman as their new head coach who by all accounts, players love this guy. So I'm very interested to see how Notre Dame looks with that tyrant of a head coach, Brian Kelly, and his Cajun accent now in LSU. Yeah, I want to see how Notre Dame looks too. I think it's what most of my family is looking forward to, um, to see Notre Dame. Uh, I would have put Pittsburgh, Michigan State on the list, but I think both of the quarterbacks in that game opted out. Kenny Pickett, I would have liked to see, but I don't blame him. Obviously, he's not going to play. So I don't care as much about that one. We still get Arkansas, Wisconsin. I mean, uh, Arizona State, Wisconsin tomorrow. I don't really care about that either. So we touched on all the big ones, Matt. Um, The thing I like about Utah is that it's weird. Oregon beat Ohio State. It's kind of the reason why Ohio State got left out of the college football playoff. And now Utah gets a chance to beat the team that Oregon beat. So I wonder how they match up. And that game's only a four and a half point spread. So uh, I do like the Utes in that spot. So we'll see what, uh, what Ohio State's able to do or what Utah's able to do. So, um, all right. So that now leads us to the college football playoff final. I have Alabama versus Georgia. You have Alabama versus Michigan. Is there any way possible Nick Saban is not going to walk away with another one of these things? Because it certainly feels like that's going to happen. I just I don't want to bet against Nick Saban. I just it's not good for your health here. No. Um, Harbaugh's feisty man, and it's going to be entertaining to watch Harbaugh versus Saban on the on those opposing sidelines. To me, I go with the best player on the field, and the best player is going to be Bryce Young. Um, he's the best quarterback in the nation. I don't think there's much arguing that at this point. If he would have been able to enter the draft, he would have been a clear cut number one. Detroit would not be trying to win these games. Houston would be tanking like crazy. Uh, we, would, mm-hmm. we would see a lot of different outcomes, I think, or I feel with some of these games. Um, or Jacksonville would be offered the mother load for the number one yeah. pick. So in, in my opinion, I, I go with Alabama because they're going to have the best coach and the best player. I love Aiden Hutchinson, but we all know the difference a great quarterback makes in college football. And Bryce Young's that guy with probably – a Bill Belichick type of coach with him at Alabama. So yeah, unfortunately I got to take Bama to win it all. Yeah. So, I mean, they have the Heisman trophy winner. Bryce Young is Cade McNamara or Stetson Bennett going to be enough to beat, you know, Nick Saban. I don't, it takes a special quarterback 
to beat Nick Saban. We saw it with Deshaun Watson. I saw it with Trevor Lawrence. Like those guys are special quarterbacks, and yeah. uh, all of the Georgia quarterbacks, Jake Fromm, um, now Stetson Bennett, like all of these guys who have a chance at beating Alabama, just never end up being good enough yeah. to do it. Even Justin Fields. Justin Fields, uh, he could not get the job done last year either, and uh, you know I think he was hurt, which obviously made a difference, but. Um, Joe Burrow was able to beat Alabama, (laughs) or I think he beat Alabama. Maybe he beat, no, he beat Clemson. Clemson, Yeah. Yeah. And he beat Oklahoma in the meantime, but Joe Burrow probably would have been able to, now that we see what Joe Burrow kind of is the next level. I want to pick Georgia really bad for the people of Georgia. (laughs) I do. Um, but I can't, I, I, Stetson Bennett looked so lost in that first SEC title game and then Nick Saban just dominated. And I know they lost Mitchie, their their best wide receiver, but I don't think it matters. And I think Alabama is going to roll because that's what Alabama does. So I don't maybe like him as much as big, but Kirby Smart is not going to beat Nick Saban after Nick Saban already beat you a month ago. It's not going to happen. It's just I, I'll believe it when I see it. And for now, it's just not something I, I think is realistic. So uh, I think Alabama rolls 38-21 over Georgia and Bryce Young and the rest of the Crimson Tide are going to be your uh, national champions again. So I'm going to take – yeah, I'll take Alabama 32-31 to 31 over Michigan. Wow. You know what, though? I agree. I would like Michigan against Alabama more because it's a game we haven't seen. Yeah. And I would love the Harbaugh saving stuff uh, pregame. So I think so Harbaugh good. could be crazy enough to, to beat the guy, but I, I, I don't really know. So I, I would much more lo- rather see that game than see George Alabama. I guess. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, Matt, we've been talking a while. Everyone knows the shows at this point. <laughs> I don't yes. want to go through all the rundown. <laughs> Everyone knows, you know, baseball life, join all the basketball life, all these shows. I know we got a, a lockdown. That's why I'm wearing my baseball shirt. It says, if you build it, they will come. The Yankees, White Sox, Field Dreams game last year. That was fun for both of us. You know, the shows go join all the groups and enjoy a community of Facebook. That's not going to lecture you about something you don't like. Come talk sports with us. We love you. Thank you for making 2021 a special year for all of us. And I hope you have a wonderful new year. Matt, do you have any parting words for the audience before we head into 2022? Just love. Love each other. It's a beautiful world out there. We don't have to be mean and angry all the time. New Year's resolution. Just try to be a better you. I love that. Uh, not big on New Year's resolutions because I think you've set yourself up for failure. But uh, hey, I always strive to be a good person. Try to be better than the person that you were the year before. I love that. Love those words. Thank you all for participating in the Facebook group each and every week. We're wrapping up the end of the year now, not just this week. Every time we're on, you guys always show your support. We greatly appreciate that. Thank you for looking at our faces for hours on end all year on Facebook, on on YouTube. We greatly appreciate it. And thank you for tolerating our voices on the audio-only platforms. We greatly appreciate that as well. So, Matt, the the support from us does not go unnoticed. We truly would not be able to do this each and every week if it wasn't for the people. So we greatly appreciate it. So episode 87 in the books. We will literally see you guys next year. I'm Randy Hammond on behalf of Matt Bush. I'll say enjoy your new year. Stay safe.